we're at episode 16, if you can believe that. I know I can't. Uh, and uh, today we are calling the podcast Technique. Uh, and so I have here in the studio uh, David Curtis and Connie Nagel, and they're going to be giving you their opinion as practicing artists on techniques that uh, are useful to the painter, particularly the, the plein air oil painter. Um, I have no clue to techniques, so we're going to get right into this and I'm going to pass it over to one of our experts and say, what is technique? Oh boy. Um, technique in, in oil painting is a method uh, for putting the, the paint on the canvas. So it would be, um, for instance, you know, putting it on thickly, thinly, um, uh, certain, I mean, they talk about um, in, in painting techniques, uh, if, you, if you Google painting techniques, you'll see a variety of different things about, um, you know, um, uh, 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 chiaroscuro, um, uh, which painting, is dark to light. In. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, David, why don't you step in? Yeah, I, I think there's two ways. <laughs> there's two ways of looking at this: the, the technique or the technical processes of oil paints and oil brushes or knives or and incorporated with all the new mediums that can be incorporated the paints. Or as you're going down the path of techniques, meaning ways of doing things, uh, such as understanding chiaroscuro, uh, we talked about binocular vision before, uh, design theories, all these things I think apply into technique. I think one of the most interesting things though, and because I've always approached technique as personal, it's the individual's way of doing something and uh, they find that it works for them. Uh, somebody else might be appalled that you would uh, you would do certain things out of doors or in the studio. Uh, they would never do that. Um, like, for instance, my teacher always cleaned his palette after every session. And if he had extra paint, he would just move it to the side of the palette, clean the palette, and then put the paint back for the next day. So we, we learned very quickly. It's not to have giant gobs. I'm always amazed when I go into somebody's studio and they have a palette and it has enormous gobs of red and blue, and, and they got this little tiny mixing place here, but lots of paint around. And I guess that's the artist's way of looking at things, or they hang their palettes up on the wall. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather use the palette to, to mix my paints with, so I need a lot of mixing space. Maybe I'm clumsy, but I want a lot of mixing space, and those little nice uh, palettes with the decorative look of red, orange, yellow is one thing. So... I, I think technique boils down to a personal, individual way of doing things. And that comes right, to, right back to the, the chemistry of it. Your choice of paint, who makes the best paint in your mind for you. Mm -hmm. um, one person will swear by this brand, another person will swear by this brand. And everybody seems to be happy with what they're doing. And um, the same way with brushes, I think... Uh, uh, there's an old saying, I think, Judy, right? Uh, you know the old saying. It was I heard it from Paul Strissick, but I think it was attributed to oh, Anthony, Anthony Timi. Yes. When somebody asked him, Mr. Timi, <laughs> what kind of brush do you use? And he said, 
Um, it doesn't matter what kind of brush you use. You can put it on with your big toe, just put it on right. I think, I think that sort of sums up uh, technique. Yeah. So, uh, well, wasn't but, it you that was telling us a story about, was it Charles Rostow, the, uh, the Western painter? who used to chew the end of twigs when he was out there in the desert and use right. those to paint with. Right, because uh, the Indians told them how to do it. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think there's, there's so many different ways. And I think it would be awfully difficult to look at an oil painting and to say he used a number two flat or a number three uh, bristle, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, does it really matter as long as the, the equipment or whatever you're using is, is what you're comfortable with? So when a student painter comes along and says, what materials do I need? You know, what colours should I use? Um, is it better to say, well, what do you feel comfortable using, whatever brand you use? But, I mean, I've seen, I've seen some of the classes or workshops that you've done where people come and they have cans full of brushes or those fancy carriers with, with tons of brushes. I mean, do you really... How many brushes do you need? Your father, when I was working with him... Um, used to have just a couple of brushes and if he had I don't, I don't know what number it would be but if it was sort of like a broad one he said if you turn it on the side then it becomes a thinner brush and so you really don't need to carry that much equipment with you just make I, good I use of gonna, what you have right I I mean I I think what happens uh, since I'm, um, you know uh, uh, I would say a fairly young painter compared to David um, you think he's and, an old painter. And, he's an and, old master, I suppose. <laughs> old master. So, um, but what I would say is that in in the process of painting um, or becoming a um, you know more skilled oil painter, uh, that you move through different phases of using uh, maybe certain types of brushes, um, like a round brush versus a filbert versus a um, what is the square brush? The the Flat. the flats, um, and and then you see what you're comfortable with and what you keep going back to, yeah. and um, sometimes like for for instance, I really like big, big broad brushes. I use filberts, but I might use a ten or a twelve, mm -hmm. and I use it to to do small things, small gestures. Mm -hmm. Uh, large things. Some people aren't comfortable with that. They want a little thin brush. Well, my dad always said, if you're going to have one, have a big one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, and on that note, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I always thought that he knew what he was talking about, but I don't know. <laughs> um, so we're still talking then just about different painting techniques. It doesn't necessarily relate to the equipment or what kind of easel you're using. I was at a, a talk by George Nick at uh, the Rockport Art Association and Museum here on Cape Ann uh, last night, and they had, had a great crowd. I think he's about 94. Uh, he's still painting. Uh, he's out there at 6 o'clock in the morning painting, you know, on plein air. So I think he's just driven to, to produce. He's had a very long career, about 75 years. Uh, and some of the, so he was showing these slides of his work from throughout his career and he had a lot of different approaches some of them were very tight he was doing machinery and all kinds of things and they were very um you know carefully drawn and he'd do brownstone you know commonwealth avenue 
and they'd be very architecturally rendered and then he'd have something that was much looser so obviously he was using perhaps technique to show something of what he was doing that particular day not just oh I like this technique I'll use it for the rest of my career and he was doing he liked this premier coup um, thing which we were talking about last week in Alla Prima, Alla Prima. Um, mm. where, and he was doing huge canvases and so he said that at times he would do this piece of the painting Alla Prima maybe the top left hand corner and then the next day he'd do Alla Prima in this corner and he would complete the painting by just concentrating and finishing one particular part mm. to complete this large painting um, I don't know whether you would class that as a particular technique or something that's just something that an artist works with? Dave, what do you think? Yes, I, I think we change our techniques. We learn different ways of doing, approaching with painting. But I think the nature of oil paints, and if we can fo just focus on oil paints, acrylics do different things, and uh, the whole nature of oil paints and the whole chemistry behind it is based on sort of, uh, I guess you could say that the theory of fat over lean works here. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people think it means thick over thin. It really means just uh, something lean paint is paint without much oil in it. Every tube of paint that is manufactured has some sort of oil in it. If you look at the back, you'll find out whether it's linseed oil or safflower oil or vegetable oil or bad oils, right? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe even black oil. <laughs> but we have to be careful of what they put in there as the oil. Some thick and linseed oil is usually considered the most consistent of all the oils. The nut oils, it depends on how big the nuts are that particular year. And, uh, and I think that's kind of important to understand that, uh, you know, they're not, it's not consistent. <laughs> it's sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, the, those oils are not the same as what you... So on the shelf, they don't put like a fine wine. They don't put the year in which the nut oil was made. Mm. So they, you don't know how old that nut oil is. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, I found oils in artists' estates that had been left over. And uh, I was amazed at how, what good shape they were in. You know? And so I think, I think that whole business of fatty paint or oily paint over lean paint, which is not much, not much oil in it. And that's the big difference. So they want lean paint on your painting first, then it can be followed by glazes or any other mediums you're using on top of the thoroughly dried, surface dried uh, nature of what oil paints are. However, I wanna, I wanna talk about that because I think that that this fat over lean rule of thumb is is something that that um, people can get really focused on, and I'm not sure that it matters so much to the outdoor painter. I think that that you you get out there, you use you use what's on your palette, um, and if in the studio you want to add glazes to that to that piece. That's another story, but I, I think sometimes people can get into that formulaic thing of fat over lean and all this 
BS. <laughs> is, is that a Texas expression? What's happening to our podcast? <laughs> yes, yes, that's a Texas. I, I think it's up that's to a, a technical. Up to a point, I understand what you're saying because I think that fat of a lean statement probably comes back from centuries ago. Yes, and and techniques. I believe it it trips people up. I think it trips up uh, the the beginning and middle. You know, the the student who's just getting out there and working away at things, and then they listen to these things like. Oh, fat over lean, and and they're not quite sure what what the hell is going on here. <laughs> and, and they need sounds and, like a good diet. And yes, it sounds like a good diet, and maybe maybe they need to lose weight, but they don't <laughs> need to lose weight in their pains. Uh, but but I think also if we're talking about technique, um, that you want to keep it simple too, and and perhaps look for your technique and not be so eager to use someone else's technique. You know, I think that a lot of times if you go to workshops, um, you, you, get, you are introduced to, to a particular technique by that, by that uh, teacher. And um, some of these teachers want to really emphasize that their technique is perhaps the best technique for outdoor painting or, uh, and, uh, and it's really, it's, it's a technique, as we're saying. It's a style. It's, um, it's something that you can maybe incorporate in your own style of painting. But uh, again, we want people to have a Whitman sampler of styles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, sounds good. Well, basically, we know that the word technique merely means a skillful or efficient way of doing something. Um, particularly in the execution of artistic work. Uh, so does an artist have to have find their own technique before they can, and then they can't ever move out of that? I mean, do they, are they trying to find a look for their painting? And then once they've found that and it's become hugely popular, then they, they can't possibly move out into trying something different? Let's let... David talk about that. Yeah, I think te techniques personally, let's say, I usually say to somebody, if they're not sure how they want to paint, the, the technique is they're held up, I usually suggest go to the Museum of Fine Arts and study paintings. Now, don't necessarily look at a painting because I'll only look at landscapes because that's what I'm studying. So no, study portraits, uh, still lifes, uh, uh, allegorical paintings, study all the different things. But look at the surface in what you feel is most the way you want your painting to look when it's over, when it's finished and you're hanging it and putting it in a frame and hanging it. I think, how do you want that to look? Is it smooth? Is it matte? Is it built up paint? Is it impastoed? Is it very thin? How do you want your paintings to look when it's over? And then, so once you find that painter who painted the way you would like to, you know, you admire that technique, you should study them thoroughly. Figure out if you can find a way in which they did their paintings. That's one of the mysteries we have um, when we look at uh, paintings in museums is how did they do them? I mean, if I buy an art book on George Innes or, or Aldro Hibbard, I'd like to know what their technique was. What did they use and how did they go about making their paintings? That is curious to me. And that's always the most difficult, I think, in, in the science of oil painting. I mean, nowadays they are x-raying oil paintings and finding all kinds of things underneath them, you know. Um, mm. 
and and so I think I think it's that it's it's that understanding of what works in the craftsman sense. There's that angle of technique. Connie's talking more about the way it looks in the end, and I think that's also important. Uh, do you want your paintings to look dry or wet? That would be a simple way of understanding it. And then I, I think a, a technique evolves naturally from each individual. Yeah, I was going to say, too, to answer your question uh, about, you know, does a, paint, does a painter find his, his or her technique and then stick with that throughout their lives uh, uh, is, is per, maybe, and I believe some people do that. But I'm speaking from my own um, experiences that I don't think I have a technique yet. Mm -hmm. I, I think that I'm utilizing a variety of different techniques and, um, and noticing what is more truthful to who I am. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that if we stay honest with ourselves about uh, what feels good, what, what feels right when we're painting, then we're moving in a direction in which we may find our technique. Yeah, because you know, obviously a painter has to, to grow over the years. It would be awful if the painting that you did 30 years ago doesn't look any different to what you're doing today because surely as a, a painter or as a writer, you have to improve as you go along. You're always trying right. to get that, that great piece. Um, I mean, right. David, I remember when, when you were painting in England and you had these beautiful English paintings and, and you know, the hawthorn trees in full bloom and the atmosphere of those long-distance vistas. Uh, and then we came back to America and you suddenly announced, oh, I'm going to do something different now. And I was horrified because I thought, if, if you're painting so well these, these scenes, why change? Why did you feel that you needed to change what you were doing at that point. Well, I think Connie says it right. Uh, you're looking, always searching for the technique that to do something. Uh, a way of doing things that makes it, speeds up the process. Mm -hmm. Does it a, depend on your material? If, if you're painting mm -hmm. English vistas one month and then next month you're back in America and painting things that are more familiar to you? Do you... Yeah, I think that the climate has a lot to do with it. Um, in England, it's wonderful because you have no biting insects, <laughs> so you're not getting paint all over your face from swatting the insects, and you know, are worried about deer tick running up your legs, and uh, you know, I mean, so in England there weren't any vicious animals chasing you about out of doors while you were painting, you know. <laughs> So the funniest thing, I remember taking my young boy up, and I think he was maybe four and a half, five years old, to this area, and uh, we just sat there, and all of a sudden, this in the distance, you had this cuckoo, cuckoo, <laughs> and uh, my young boy, Noah, said to me, he says, that's the first cuckoo of spring, Dad. And I thought, I knew what it was, I just couldn't say it as fast as you. <laughs> But um, no, I, I think technique is, is, I think Connie's right. I think if you don't get too attached to the way your paintings have to look in a certain way, maybe you're more adventurous to find something uh, that expresses the thing that you're trying to paint better with that particular technique. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you were trying to paint a portrait 
and you're using um, knife, I think that's Troy. And I do, I do know of painters who painted portraits. I think that's very difficult because they don't mm -hmm. get the the texture of flesh doesn't always happen for them. Mm -hmm. You know that surface quality of what flesh tones look like. Uh, but the knife might apply itself to trees and foliage because of its roughage and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I'm I'm also reminded of um, Jane Peterson, who was a great uh, Cape Ann artist. Um, who um, always changed her technique, it seemed. Yes. You know, she was doing, when I saw Strokes of Genius a couple of years ago, yeah. which was an exhibition at the Rockport Art Association and Museum, mm. um, it was, uh, I was really, really struck by how varied her, her paintings were and how exciting they were mm. because of it. I, yeah. was, I was really so... And, and and in contrast, I was also I went into what was the Nawa or the abstract, and they mm -hmm. seemed more similar in in uh, yeah. what was going on. Now um, it might be because they were taking on what was de then described as an abstract technique, mm -hmm. you know, versus what Jane Peterson was doing was actually exploring a variety of techniques. Yeah. I mean, I think there were four paintings by Peterson in that show, and if you didn't know who the artist was, you wouldn't have guessed. I don't think that they exactly. were all the same artist. Yeah, I, I think a number of people commented on that, that how could she paint like this, but over here there's another one that's totally different. They were all really well done. The and quality was there. It yeah. was just a different, you know, in this one the figures are outlined, uh, and they're very loose, and in this one over here, yes, it's impressionistic, but there's no outlines, nice soft edges. So, uh, yeah, she was a and fascinating I think, painter. I think it's um, it takes courage and <clears throat> bold moves to to step into this place of adventure, uh, where you say, "Today, I'm going to set my easel up, and I'm looking out at boats, <laughs> and I'm going to just do color and form." you know, and try to do masses of, of colors, uh, you know, with, with little outlining and, um, uh, and something different, you know, and, and try to stick with it from start to finish on that particular canvas. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so technique is just about executing the painting skillfully. It doesn't mean following you can only stay in this one rigid... Right, that would be a formula, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, if you had a formula for painting... I'll paint, I'll lay it all in in little washes, and then I put thicker layer of paint on top of the thin layers, and, and, and there's all those, all the different techniques. I mean, uh, the a la prima technique you talked about with uh, George Nick was practicing. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, that's uh, you know, putting it on, I think you're going to put it on a little thicker when you do that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think thin scumbles over... Uh, thicker layer, but all the combinations mm -hmm. of things to create which uh, a way of I th I think it's a way of seeing how you want the painting to appear um, on on the canvas is is everything. But um, um, I th I think a way of doing something or the way of doing something. Um, I, I think Connie has set the tone here, and uh, let's experiment more. Maybe we should find, if you have a way of doing something over the years, maybe you should go out and explore a different way of looking at it. Maybe you should look at it as uh, everything is chiaroscuro, you know? Mm -hmm. Just cut out the shapes of the shadows and, and let the lights take care of themselves 
and uh, block in your painting in that way. Maybe that's interesting. Um, over the years of teaching, you realize you had to find different approaches to simple principles of painting. So when uh, I stuck with the word value for a long, long time, and still do to this day. I mean, yesterday in, in teaching in the class, we sp I spent more time with people getting the value right of the water because that's water is very reflective. So they were making their water too light. Therefore, every all the boats were being cut out a little too much. Once they lowered the value of the water and got a little more intensified color in it, I think they also got more of a reflective light quality because they were painting it sort of even and, and thicker with paint. Mm -hmm. uh, then the edges of the boats didn't show up as, as sharply as it did when they didn't have the value right. Mm -hmm. So there's different ways of teaching value. It's basically the light and the dark. Um, some people believe that you teach, teach it by squinting. If you squint, you'll knock everything down. That sort of knocks out the glare a little bit. That's helpful. I think Sarge used to talk about staring mm -hmm. into space. Um, and um, and not not taking not focusing on any one element to find the right values. Um, the way I some, sometimes teach it is middle value first. I think Frank Vincent Dumond used to teach that method of middle value first, and then you can see how high you want to go or how low you want to go in the you know with the light to dark. Um, so there's many ways of just beginning with one principle. Uh, values about how to use those in your painting. Um, the ideal situation, I think, is um, is color first. Mm -hmm. If you can get the right color, the right value, and the right shape all simultaneously, I think that's that's the masterstroke, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, if we talk about some of the when you look online and you see all the different things that come under technique, and you wonder <laughs> they can't all be you know, simple techniques. But there was one called, if I can pronounce it, Scrafito. Oh, yeah, uh, and I thought, well, this is unusual. What is it? And it talks about removing paint while it's wet to expose the underpainting. And that put me in mind of um, Emma Fordyce McRae, who was a painter here on Cape Ann. And she did these beautiful paintings, uh, but there would always be um, paint scraped off in different areas. To, to reveal the underpainting, sometimes it was white, sometimes it had um, a warmer tone under it that she would scrape off. Uh, and it just it gives you this sort of fresco-like look. It's kind of an interesting effect. Um, some people think it's wonderful and, and love her work, and other people think it's more of an affectation, and they don't like the fact that the, they all seem to look like that. But um, it's I don't know whether she scraped the paint off while it was wet or uh, whether it was dried and then sort of flaked off slightly. So I, I'll have to look up more on Scrafito because I thought that was an interesting uh, technique. Yeah. But uh, we're coming up to the end of the show. I know you two are anxious to get outdoors to paint. The weather's beautiful. Any last thoughts from either of you that we would like to share? I, I think technique, you were talking about technique, uh, a way of doing something. I think if you don't experiment with different manners and approaches to painting, I think you'll miss out on something. I, I think it's a lot of fun to go out and challenge yourself to something different. I think that's true. Um, I think it, the only way that you can even discover 
your style of painting is to is to try a variety of, of painting techniques mm -hmm. and to see what kind of resonates with you mm -hmm. uh, because painting is uh, as David said at the beginning of this podcast very personal mm -hmm. and uh, and if you can stay true to yourself I, I keep talking about that but staying true to who you are as as a, in your expression of painting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to our experts uh, discussing technique today. Um, I'm going to uh, just finish with a quote by John Carlson as my contribution to everything. Uh, so Carlson, the famous uh, landscape oil painter and teacher, said, Art is a thing, so much of the imagination, of the soul, that it is difficult to descend to the fundamentals of technique and yet make it plain to the student that these are but the means and not an end in themselves. And on that note, we'll say goodbye and have a great day. Thanks for listening.